This episode of Luca's Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by PWCC. PWCC is currently running an unlimited free vault promo, which is running through July 31st through the end of the National. The vault is 100% free for all graded cards valued at over $50. There's no ingestion costs, no storage fees, and unlimited submissions. Just enter the promo code VAULT, V-A-U-L-T, when creating your submission to apply the promo. Who is right, Cage? I get the same text. Who is that? Oh, oh, we know who that is. Welcome back to another episode of Lucas Tigers and Bronzo Mine, the best sports card podcast in the world. Can we get a smile? Can we get a smile, Cage? Thank you. I'm thank smiling. You, thank you. I'm hot. I'm sweating. I just cut my finger. Not, not right, well, no complaint. Let me give you guys a quick update on the hobby. I'll pop. Oh, you froze. What happened? And so, oh, he froze for a second. Now he's back. You're good. Good, good, good. Yeah. Cage PWCC Premier mm-hmm. Auction kicks off. Have you taken a look? No, but I know there's a Charizard in it. I mean, there's I know, a Charizard I know in the big it. ones that are in it because the cards they had on display at the National were the cards from the Premier. There you go. There you go. There's a Zard. There's some beautiful, beautiful cards. We'll talk about that. Did you see SGC2 Babe Ruth broke a record? Gold, pr- a private no. golden sale. Yep. A private golden sale. SGC2 Babe Ruth just sold. And, dude, I got Wait, like, just so that we can get it right because I haven't seen it. Is it Babe Ruth? Is it Honus Wagner? What is Are they not the same person? No. No, like what Ruth in SGC would set a record? I mean, maybe if it was like the Baltimore News that Collectible has – that might set a record, but an SGT, SGC two. I'll find it. I'll find. I haven't it. seen a poster. I would imagine that's probably a Wagner. I mean, I haven't been on all day. I've been busy. You know, we've had a lot of calls today. Um, I posted a funny video of you not being able to find parking spots. Did you see that? I did. My sister thought you were being mean. I thought it was hilarious. Mean? How's that mean? My apologies. A T206 Honus Wagner SGP2, 7.25 million. I, my apologies. That makes no sense. That's awesome, though. I mean, a T206 Wagner. And, and listen, obviously, we're sponsored by them, but think about that for a second. That means the current world record isn't an SGC holder for sale price for a card. And, uh, you know, at the end of the month, that Mantle 95 is also an SGC that will break the record. And so they'll be the, the two highest. You know, completed sale prices, public sale prices, of both being SGC holders for vintage baseball. I mean, we've said it since before we were, you know, e- you know, engaged with SGC vintage stuff. You know, they are as credible as it gets. SGC, they always have been. Um, and I think, you know, you know, argument can be made that, you know, the more headlines that are out there, you know, the more credibility it lends to to them overall. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Now that we're four days removed, man, from national. I, I like the state of the ho- the hobby. And what I mean by that is like, all right, so it's not the bull run that we had a, a year or so ago. But I think everyone sort of is settling into their roles. There's a little bit of that competition that we love. You know, Heritage is running that SGC 9.5 mantle. Golden's doing his thing, man. Golden's had a lot of success this year. PWCC's had a lot of success. They're doing big things. It's nice to see a lot of different companies winning. Let's go to grading. We for the first time. Well, Heritage too, right? Time. Heritage is the one that landed the SGC nine five mantle. If you want to say Heritage further, so PWCC, Golden Heritage. I mean, they're all kind of doing that thing. So you have that. You have Leland's. You have a little bit of that competition where not just one company's thriving and the others are kind of dying and wilting away. There's a few that are doing well, which is always a sign of strength, I think, in a, in a, in an industry. Let's yeah. move to grading for a second. 
I think for one of the first times ever, we have four companies that are doing really well. They're doing really well. I don't, I don't know if like we could give our own opinion on, okay, BGS, this and that, but BGS is alive and well. PSA, catching up on their backlog, doing their thing. SGC's kind of setting the a new trend in turnaround times. Affordable, really, really growing in secondary values. You have CSG doing extremely well as well. A lot of competition. You know, we talk about hobby dying, all that stuff. I, I see a really healthy industry. That's kind of, you know, it's... um. I don't know if you've went camping, but at night, the coals are still hot. They're simmering, you know, but there's not this huge flame, but anything comes and happens. Any little bit of demand that that's added into it, that fire lights right back up. So I, I, that's what I'm noticing. I, I notice a very strong collector base, really strong, healthy cash flowing companies, people active, engaged, spending a lot of time and their attention in this space. I'm curious if, if you know, we, we didn't get a chance to interview ourselves. We interview everyone else. A lot of people, I think, from our audience would want us to interview us. They love us. They've grown with us since they were. So yeah. are you seeing similar things? If I was to interview you, what's your take on the national? What do you think about the industry? Definitely. I mean, listen, we, we can take it from the small side, right, which is, you know, the consumers, right? And where more people are trying to sell, people trying to trade. But what's funny is when they went there to sell and trade their cards, you know, a blind person could see the expansion of the hobby just in – the Atlantic City Convention Center, right? I mean, you know, from from the companies that weren't there a couple of years ago because they didn't exist, um, you know, like whatnot. The breaking pavilion is just humongous, right? The autograph pavilion is huge. Um, you know, the corporate section is just amazing. And yeah, I mean, listen, we're lucky enough that we work with, you know, some really great partners. And one of my favorite meetings we had over a year ago with Collectible, who we've been with now for uh, almost a full year, um, when we first started meeting with them, you know, we sat down with, with Ezra Levine, the CEO, and he said to us that he wants us to know that his interest is in growing the entire fractional space, right? Growing the hobby, growing the space. And, and that means he wants to see success for anyone in the space, not just his own company, because he realizes that if the space grows, if the hobby grows, that his company will be there growing along with it. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. And I think even if you're with, you know, Golden, if you see PWCC, you know, succeeding, if you're with PWCC and you see Golden succeeding, if, if, if you're with, um, you know, uh, a grading company and you see just the demand for grading across all of the grading company and you see all the people coming in, you have to take a second, you know, take a step back and say, this is good. It's good for all of us, you know, not to use the cliche that you, you know, use all the time about growing the overall hobby pie. Cliches right? are cliches for a reason, though, Cage. But, I mean, think about that, right? We've said this a bunch of times, and it really is true. The bigger the hobby pie, the more everybody gets to eat. And I think that was on full display at the National, definitely. And, of course, there's competition. And let's not say that that's a bad thing. I mean, competition is a good thing. You know, there are things going on with grading companies, with auction houses, that, you know, foster a, a better environment for uh, consumers, right? I mean, I mean, think about that for a second, right? Like, you know, grading companies. If one company turns cards around quicker, it forces the other company to take a deep look at themselves and say, we've got to turn around the cards quicker. If, if a company says we could turn around the cards quicker and at a value price, then the other companies have to realize that, you know, the, the measuring stick is going to change for them, right? You know, it's got to be we got to drop the price or we have to react. And that is good for the you and the me and the listeners who are listening to this out there. That's, that competition is, is healthy. 
you know what makes me very proud, Cage, is um, I think we as a hobby community, because I do think it is a very close-knit community. There's like that whole six degrees of separation. I'd argue we're one or two, like at most. Like if it, you don't know the person, you're one introduction away from knowing everybody in the hobby. Uh, so it's a very close thing. I think we put a little bit of pressure and what I respect about these companies, and we, we don't need to name them. We know who the 10 to 13 companies are that kind of lead the industry. They also, you, you know, I, I, I played on a team and I remember these teammates. There's teammates who blamed everyone else and there's teammates who looked at themselves. I think to improve the value, to turn around turnaround times, to lower cost, you have to look introspectively. It's how can we as a company ex- expand, right? How is, could we as a company do better? And I think we should be proud and not like pat them on the back, but maybe and say that's respectable that they've gone that route and went to add value as opposed to because we've seen in the hobby a little bit of bad mouthing, a little bit of coming at each other, right? And that's very petty. It does nobody any good. What does people good is when the companies go, how can we improve operations? How can we turn around cards in a faster space? How can we offer better customer service when people are auctioning off cards? How can people auction off high-end cards, low-end, and raw cards, right? And start adding value services by listening to the community as opposed to pointing fingers and saying, these people are doing it bad or these people are doing it bad because that pie does not grow when that happens. And I think it's the last six months, I think we've done that as an industry. Listen, I mean, if there's one takeaway, we're interviewing ourselves. It is, I think what makes us, us, and what makes the folks love us is that they see our faces. They get to talk to us. They know who they're talking to on Instagram. They, you know, they, they DM us and they get a response. They want to come to a cigar event and it's with us. You know, they buy the NFT and they're buying it with us, right? It's you, it's me. We walk around a show, we shake hands, we smoke cigars. It is us. We put our face on our brand. And we stand by it, right? And it's it's our face that's going to have egg on it. It's going to be embarrassed if we do something stupid, right? If we don't uphold what we say we're going to uphold. I think that's an important thing, right? It's Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze, but it's you and me, right? And we put our face, our name, and our reputation to it. I think the hobby has come around to that. and give a lot of credit to a lot of these companies, right? I mean, Ken Golden is the face of his company. People know when they do business with Golden Auctions, they're going to be doing business with Ken Golden, with Dave Ammerman, with with the people who are front and center. PWCC, the exact same thing. They were out there all show, dude. Yeah, I mean, just and so was Ken's team, right? And and they're learning from that, right? Because people want if they're going to hand over those cards, if they're going to hand over these assets, their money, their business, a lot of money, a lot of stuff. They want to shake the hand of Eric Myers, of Jesse, you know, of Dwarf. Right of mm-hmm. Sam of whoever it is that they're working with, right? Um, you know, Brock. Isaiah's new, right? Well, yeah, Isaiah. Isaiah. So I mean, and 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 we're just using those two. But how about another example, right? I mean, Binder. You, you see, you see, you see. So we'll get to those guys in a second, right? But we, you see, Nat Turner working the line at PSA, actually taking cards in and handing them back out after they're graded. Peter from SGC and Dave, the owner, out there on the floor. Peter being more front and center, shaking hands. I watched him spend 20 minutes with somebody who was complaining that their two and a half should have been a three. And he didn't say, you're a fool. He didn't say, get out of here. He didn't say, I have a limited amount of time at the national and I can't dedicate a half an hour to you because you know this. It's customer service, right? I mean, it's like your dad at the cafe, right? The smoothie doesn't taste good. You make it right for the customer. Otherwise, you lose that customer. And that that you know that one individual who, who, who thinks that two and a half should have been a three, he didn't leave with a three. But he left with a smile 
because he felt like he was heard. He felt like he was listened to, right? And that's a huge thing. And and Beckett, you know, I'm I mean, give give kudos. What our guests have come on and talked about how Beckett was out there asking people what they think, what what they'd like change, what they'd like to see done. I mean, sure, it's not the frothiest environment. It's not money flowing like you know a broken ATM like it was last year. Right, but there's still plenty of money coming in. And if you're somebody who's on the sidelines with that cash, or somebody who's kind of like, you know, wavering, should I stay? Is this hobby, you know, going to be here next year, or five years from now? Is this a place to put money? I think if you walk that floor and you see all of these companies that are in the lead, and we can talk about what now. We can talk about breakers. We can talk about you know a million other things if you like. They're putting their faces, they're putting their names on the line. That's their reputation. And they realize, I think, now that that's the way that you make sure that your customers, your consumers are happy and willing to do business with you. And that's a cool takeaway. Agreed. Now, Cage, I'm going to put you on the digital collectibles panel because so <laughs> one is if you want to put money into the hobby. But I also want to come in here and add value if for people who are like, I, I don't have disposable income to put into cards or right now is not a good time for me to put that disposable income into cards. I, what I'm curious and I'm excited about and, you know, a company that maybe is lacking a face but is doing some innovative stuff is Alt with uh, the whole remit and stuff like that. I'm st- Dibs is doing interesting stuff. Um, Panini Direct, NBA Top Shot. The, the, the thing is we don't know how digital collectibles are going to play into the hobby. But I'll give you 100% without a doubt that there will be a digital collectible platform or two in the next five years. And my value add was, hey guys, make sure to pay attention. But what I wanted to pick your brain on it was you were on the Panini Direct panel. You were gonna ask questions and all that stuff. How do you think that digital, digital collectibles will make the first splash in cards? You know, what's what's funny about it is, um, you know, I'm still wavering on on digital, right? Um, There are people out there like Spin, Spinatron, who calls us a spin on crypto in the digital space, who was bought in. I mean, just buying stuff, just like he was buying 2012 Prism Golds when no one else was buying them, and he has conviction. And, you know, I've, I've heard him say in the Discord something to the effect of, you know, when you have this kind of conviction, it's okay that 90% of the people think you're absurd, right? Because that's when you want to get in. That's the definition of being early on something. When you know it's going to be right and everybody else is saying it's wrong, that's when you can really be in early before something happens. Now, that doesn't necessarily always work out. Just ask 90% of the people who bought NFTs last year, right? And most of the Panini digital products, at least the ones that I bought, are less valuable than they were when I bought them a year ago. But that's just, I think, a symptom of the overall market. Well, can I pause you real quick? Real quick. I think one of the challenges that I've seen, and maybe you see this, I'm curious if Spin sees this too, is there's so many different platforms of digital collectibles too, right? So you don't only have to be right about the player, you have to be right about the player, the type, you know, and then which platform that player is on because there's Autograph, there's Panini Digital, there's Panini Dunk, Blitz, there's Top Shot, there's UFC Strike. Yep. So there is this defragmentation of digital collectibles too. So you need to not only – They're all still the- feeling their way. And I right. think there is a sweet spot just to answer your question. What I was leading to was that there is at least a rabid fan base building. Right. There are people who are very passionate about it. And listen, we don't talk about Top Shot or Dapper that often. But I – you know, 
I bought into UFC Strike when it first came out. I got very lucky in like one of the first couple of packs, and I got a champion moment. I think it's out yeah. of 99 of, of Glover Teixeira. It might literally be the worst champion moment you can get because he like won the championship at like 45 years old. Great, you know, identified with that, but he never was able to defend it. He lost the belt, but I have his champion moment. But they're trying to make the champions tier, like people who own a champion moment because they're rare and there's only a few of them and they're only out of 99, make that worth something. I got an email yesterday from them saying that anyone who has a champion moment in the champion club, fill out a form and you get the UFC fight pass the subscription to UFC Fight Pass where you get like all the fights, their fight library, that's for free. Really? Yeah. Which that's is- smart. So, so yeah. that brings us to a good thing. Is is the utility, you know, we think of, you know, someone asked us today, does your uh, Tiger have yeah, utility? Yep. And we yep. thought from day one, honestly, to the point where Cage is like, like, this has to be profitable, Andrew. But I was like, we can't even roll this out without utility. Back to the face, it'll be, it looks like a money grab. Is utility without a doubt now has to be tied to digital collectibles no because there's no utility in cards right there's no utility in a card other than nostalgia or i get to show it off or anything like that you know the people who are in um in the hobby for physical tangible collectibles you know they don't buy it because of utility i mean we talk about it all the time you can't rent your card out really unless it's museum caliber it doesn't pay a dividend it's just a collectible because it's collectible the thing is that right now to get people to buy into digital because in many regards, it's just a digital version of a physical counterpart. Why do you need it? You already have the physical one. They people to get that conversion, to get that customer acquisition, to get people to buy into it. They're adding in these things. They're testing things out like utility, like, you know, things like this UFC, you know, fight pass to get people to buy into it as a different alternate collectible. Ultimately there will just be collectibles. Um, and you have the blockchain, you know, involved in it, the whole deal. Honestly, I don't know where it goes, right? I mean, I, I got to tell you, I love the physical, tangible collectible. I love sitting at that show and you get to see cards. You know, it would be a little different if somebody was set up with a whole table of like, you know, displays and just showed their digital cards off, digital collectibles off. It would be a little, you know, odd. But the other 90% of the people who couldn't make it to the physical location could still see digital collectibles. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, well, I got to tell you, right? So he, here's my, my, my thing, right? For someone like us, and I couldn't do this. Like I had a whole thing prepared for when I was on the panel, but the lack of internet completely screwed us over. You know, for when you do an NFT panel, six people listen, right? So I was planning on raising my hand you know, and saying, hey, everyone out there who's listening and interested, do you have uh, the Panini digital platform? No, download it. Yes. What's your name? Okay, here you go. Boom freebie boom freebie and just set right there from the stage send them you know uh send them you're the free airdrop fairy you're the air i would be the air but but just to show how easy it is to if you are a podcast if you are a breaker if you are someone in the industry who wants to provide a giveaway to somebody you don't have to ship it you don't have to pack it you don't have to go to the post office it's just here you go it's a giveaway I, so, so that makes sense, uh, and I, I'm respectful of your time, man. I'm, I'm, we have 12 minutes. So what, what I have – inextricably then, using your word, it will be impossible for these things to really hold value. By the way, I have to check on our Juan Soto and our uh, – I wonder how those are doing. I forgot we bought those, by the way. My mind wanders in crazy places. But like oh, are we still f- figuring out who's going to be the tops of – Yeah. 
hundred percent. Digital. And I mean, you, you know, it's funny. We'll have Panini on, but your question to them was a valid one about licensing and about that. I mean, like, you know, how does that change? You know, when licensing changes, how does that change? Especially when you have like Panini, who's their own digital platform, right? I mean, they have baseball. Right. And, and Kate, baseball... remember in the 90s, they would put Michael Jordan's face on the, the magazine covers? Mm-hmm. That's not a violation of whoever was making cards then, right? That was a different pl- medium. You had cardboard, right. you had magazines. You have a different medium. These are cards and digital collectibles, completely different worlds. Right, which is why Top Shot was able to do their thing. They have a license for like a video collectible, you know, NFT. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's going to be something that a lot of lawyers will get involved in and carve out a, a fun thing. But we've lost all of our audience talking about digital. I don't know no. why this is the topic today. But, we, but you know, we can, we can continue on it. <laughs> Whatever you like. You do this mid-episode, but this is actually one of our best episodes. And I think most people would agree. The, the reason why this is a valuable episode is um, – the wild wild west of the sports card hobby is not collectors or anything else it's there is this digital side of of the collectible space that's going to be a part of what we do whether we like it or not and that doesn't mean that card collectors have to become digital i think they could use this this time where cards aren't you know booming they're not dropping to the floor to at least take a look do research hey so i had this this mic drop moment but if you happen to be one of the not the five people who listened to my panel with the it was panini, full of people. What are you? <laughs> I'm just. Me? I'm making jokes. I'm making jokes. But you know, somebody asked, "Hey, you know, how do you get this adoption? How do you get this to, to do it?" And I said, "Panini has to commit to something, or one of the other companies." But I was just speaking about Panini, and they have to basically pick some sort of a set that is beloved that everybody likes, whether it's Kaboom, or Downtown, or Color Blast or something that's in a physical product every year, and they have to leave it out. They have to take Color Blast out of Prism, right? And don't put it in. Or Downtown out of Optic, and don't insert it in the physical packs. And instead, just put Downtown in digital and make it a real limited set, like 50 copies of each one, a 20-card set. There's a total of 1,000 of them out there. And only have it in the digital packs. And then declare a date a month after the packs are sold out or whatever it is. That's like your ex-dividend date, whatever date it is. And on that date, any wallet holder, any owner of the digital version of that color blast, they get a physical card sent to them. Numbered color blast. So if you own Mac Jones rookie color blast number one of 50 in the mail you will get number one of 50 and then you know what will happen these things will start showing up on ebay they'll start showing up on instagram they'll start showing up in auction houses and the 99 percent of the world that doesn't follow digital will say wait a second where there's a color blast this year where the hell did that come from and they'll understand that going forward there will be this desired set that can only be obtained through opening digital packs, through collecting digital, through maybe doing digital challenges, and that will open the floodgates. I truly believe that. Cage, what if you put a redemption in in, uh, in the packs that you scan the QR code and you could, that activates uh, a pack opening on the Panini Digital that inside of that has downtown? You could do that or you could do it the other way too. While you're opening a pack online, it, it's a QR code. It's a redemption for a physical a one of one or something that that you can only get from 
from being now they have something like this it's, but they only do dutch auctions you know the the blockchain one of ones that they put up there and those become physical cards but those are you know that that's a very different thing people want okay. so quick question that's my idea out. yeah any how was your whatnot show today i know the, the, the it was it was good i gave away a, a bunch of ichiro 2012 prism psa 10s that's your staple yeah. I have a lot of them. I found the box of them in my basement that I forgot about. They had 20 of them. So I figured, let me give away a bunch. So I think we gave away more than we sold. All right. Anything else? So but we keep, keep the audience happy, you know, keep people happy. One thing that blows my mind, and I, I don't know, I was looking through the premier auctions. 2016, Cristiano Ronaldo Prism Gold PSA 8. That mm-hmm. didn't feel like a premier worthy card to me. Why is gold so revered even like – Something so low grade, two thousand. Well, that's that's the first Prism Soccer. It's Ronaldo. Twenty fourteen. Is it? So you yeah. said this is what twenty fourteen. This twenty sixteen. Oh, okay. So then, I mean, that's interesting, right? I would think it would be the first one that would be. So twenty fourteen was what World Cup, right? Mm-hmm. You would think that the first one would be. Um, it would be what they, you know, what people are after. I don't know, man. I mean, listen, when you see a Brady, I know it's twenty twelve. I know it's Brady. I know it's gold. Sell for a quarter of a million dollars. Is it really out of the realm of possibility that a Ronaldo, you know, Prism Gold sells for, you know, a significant amount of money? No. I don't know how to tier it, but I, this subset of cards very much worries me. This, like, weird gold set that's overpriced that feels like people who can't get the best stuff, they have to buy into this kind of chase of a card. And that card feels more of a 1000 to $2,000 card. It's funny, man. I feel like the gold is not... Is not something that the people who can't get the best stuff get. I think that is the best stuff. You think the goal, even even something like PSA eight of two thousand sixteen? Well, I'd have to look. I don't know the soccer that well, right? But I mean, remember soccer prism golds? They, they don't make that every year. You know, that's supposed to just be like a, a World Cup thing, right? Which is why I'm a little little odd that that there's a twenty. This one was a UEFA one. Here, I'll, I'll pull okay. it up. I'm, I'm just curious, man. I, I just you know. Sasha T had a good post. He's like, if, if scrolling eBay isn't part of your night routine, then you're doing it wrong. I don't know if you saw that. But, like, dude, if you're in cards, you're looking at cards, you're, you're, you're watching it, you're trying to find out how much something's worth, why is it worth what it's worth? You know well, let's mean? pay attention. We'll see what it sells for. I mean, listen, the soccer market, there's not a, there's not, there's, there, you know, there's a rabid fan base and people pay for the golds and how many prism golds. I and mean, even if you got what's 2014, 2016, it looks like, 2018. How, is there anything else? Was there? Was I think there wasn't a 2020. Was there? I don't think. I think that's it for Prism. I think it's just three Prism sets. I mean, the next World Cup they'll probably have one. But what that means is that true golds, not inserts, not whatever, just actual golds. There's 30 total gold Ronaldo Prism cards. 30 total for the entire soccer collecting world. You know, that to me, the entire grit eating world, Mister Tipton. You know, Luca Nation. Well, listen before we run. Okay. I mean, I know, I know, I'm the one with the time crunch, but you know, we had a lot of we had a lot of fun stuff going on today. We had a lot of fun meetings. I, I gotta say thank you, right? I'll thank you, but more thank the hobby. I've been home for a week now. Um, you know, I had a chance to kind of digest it, finally unpack, put some stuff away, and really take it in. And you say we haven't interviewed ourselves. I like to thank the hobby. I like to thank everybody who took took part in national that I got to meet, that I got to shake hands with, that came to our party. You know, apologize to people who weren't able to get to our party because of the limited space and, and know from me that we will do better for our next party, whatever that might be, whether it's Mint Collective, National, something sooner. 
we will try to expand that and, and let more people go there. But I got to tell you, man, this is awesome. I mean, we get to play with cardboard pictures of our idols, you know what I mean? And then go get to hang out with, you know, friends, people who we talk to, you know, over Instagram and the like. And, and I just, I mean, it's great. I spent, you know, a long time in life just working, putting a suit on, go to work every day, repeat, rinse. And this is my second national. And I, I find myself like, all right, is it 50, 50 and a half weeks till the next one or how long till Mint Collective? And that's a cool thing, right? And whether there's hobby beef, whether there's, you know, you know, all this other garbage that goes on online, you can kind of overlook that. I had a lot of fun, man. I really did. So I just wanted to say that. I agree, man. I, I very, very, very much agree. And I hope you guys appreciate it. Like this uh, series 30 for 30 or it's not really going to be 30. We, we want to mix in. We know you guys love uh, when Cage and I kind of hop, hop on here and chat. So it might be like every other day. Sometimes we'll do three in a row. But this guest series, you know, we're trying to get as many and the best guests possible for all you guys. And it's a lot of work. It is. Cage has to do, you know, his normal job, being a dad, cleaning up spilled wine, a daily episode, a whatnot show, and then a guest episode or two that I put on his calendar. So, you know, I hope you guys appreciate uh, the work that goes into putting all this together for you guys. Um, we, we love you guys. We appreciate it a ton. Um, that's another episode, right? That's we'll it. Go, Thanks, we'll... Luca Nation. And a big thank you to our guys, to Luca Nation. Anybody who's within earshot of this, anybody who's watching this or hearing this, thank you because you allow us to go to national and be us. And if it wasn't for you, we would just be two Schmendricks. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.